Hello. So if you follow us on social media, you know that we are doing a book giveaway. We are giving away two copies of Dark Disciple. And all you have to do is go to our Twitter, which is at FirstStepsSW. Go and retweet the pinned tweet, comment your favorite Ventress moment, and be a follower in order to be entered in our book giveaway. And now, since you all are special within 24 hours first-time listeners, if you listen to this episode on its release date, March 1st, 2022, and either DM us the word Banshee or leave us an Apple review on Apple Podcasts with the code word Banshee, again, the code word is Banshee, we'll enter you to win in our giveaway an extra 10 times. So do not hesitate to reach out. Follow us. Thank you. On with the show. You've taken your first step into a larger world. The Force will be with you. Always. Welcome to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast. A journey from the Phantom Menace to the rise of Skywalker. Now, here are your hosts, Calvin, Andy, and Wyatt. Hello there. Welcome to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast. Chronological journey from the Phantom Menace to the Rise of Skywalker, one arc at a time. I'm Calvin. I have seen a lot of Star Wars. I'm Wyatt, and I've this week read a lot of Star Wars. I'm Andy. I've seen and read a little bit of Star Wars. And today we have a very special guest. (laughs) Hello, I'm Charles, and I have been watching Star Wars since before some of these people were born and the huh. thought horrifies me <laughs> yes. yeah it was funny when i logged on to gold star squadron gaze and was like oh charles is a real adult a real adult <laughs> uh, well i i wouldn't go that far. <laughs> i have a star wars podcast i wouldn't qualify myself as a real adult quite yet yes i am one of the co-hosts of gold squadron gaze i co-host it with my i hesitate to use the word friend uh bradley brower <laughs> He and I run the show together. We go over TV episodes, uh, generally ones that are coming out, but we also do rewatches. And we just had both Wyatt and Calvin on to discuss the book of Boba Fett. So, yes, it was was very fun. fun. Don't quite know how much I can actually discuss that, you know, but not at all. Not a damn thing. (laughs) Yeah, it was a wonderful experience. And I'm going to rebring up some of the topics, actually, that I talked about in Book of Boba Fett today. Because Andy is banned from watching those or listening to those episodes, we've we've brought Charles onto our show so that we can finally all discuss Star Wars as a group. Yes, I am very honored to be here. I have I have first steps is one of those podcasts that I have listened to the entire thing. Starting at the beginning, which I I listen to a lot of podcasts, but there's very few I can say that I've listened to the whole thing. But I've listened to every First Steps episode. It's been it's very interesting as someone who has lived in Star Wars his entire life, basically since I was about four or five years old, to hear someone who has never even heard 
of some of this stuff before experience. And I'm like, oh, that is a really interesting perspective because some of these things I'm just like, yeah, I just I just know this. And then to hear Andy <laughs> discovered is really fun to listen to. Oh, Calvin that makes you feel really good. <laughs> Calvin and so I have happy. spent a year. Sorry, Andy. Calvin and I have spent like an entire year agonizing over how how to explain the force slash not explain the force as the Clone Wars and the and the prequel, the first two prequels, steadfastly refuse to define it to Andy. Yeah, no, well, they're like, fuck we, you. you already know. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, fun. So what are what are we doing this week? So this week on the first step to Star Wars podcast, we did a fun little mini adventure and read an actual book we read dark disciple by christy golden yeah we read that book it is a wonderful wonderful novel about uh saj ventress and quinlan voss and their <laughs> team up book. to try and assassinate dooku and voss's subsequent fall to the dark side fun read i don't even know i i guess i have i don't know who's Does anyone have like, this week you have thoughts oh, i would have to oh, imagine coffee 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 you're so right i okay so i really thought about this because i was like obviously quinlan voss is i think who is ordering coffee and i i like agonized over this and i was like i don't think he would go to starbucks so um that's it i think that quinlan voss oh oh actually the one thing i thought was that maybe he would get the irish cream cold brew thinking that there would be actual baileys in it and then be disappointed and not drink it when it's like not alcoholic yeah quinlan voss strikes me as the type of person who orders that makes a joke about it but then he already knew that he wasn't getting baileys so he brought the baileys with him and he takes it directly outside the starbucks and just conspicuously out of view just starts pouring baileys out of a flask into his drink yeah he gets there's a, no he way it's a medium but in a big cup you know <laughs> yeah there's just no room way for cream and sugar room for there's cream and sugar no way that outfit doesn't have like a hip flask right right next to the holster. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Voss Voss comes prepared. I um, did love the uh, the little bit where he notes that Obi Wan will not drink strong alcohol while yeah. on a mission. Okay, uh, so I I was I was telling the gang before this uh, when I when I do my Gold Squadron breakdowns, uh, I'm the big note taker uh, because I'm the trivia guy. So I will have like a page of notes. I picked several very specific things from this book that I wanted to bring up. Literally, the first one is Obi-Wan eschews the strong stuff on missions. And I'm like, hmm, did somebody learn his lesson between the Hondo Onaka bit? And now are we seeing some Attack of the Clones when he's just doing shots in the bar <laughs> looking for Zamwasel. He's oh, growing God. up. Have you read N.D. Stevenson, who created She-Ra? Have you read their uh, Boba Fett fan comic? Yes, it was delightful. We can't discuss it, but we ooh. can't discuss it. Ooh. Some Boba Fett fan comic by the creator of She-Ra. That's awesome. And they've been obsessed with Zam Wassell since Attack of the Clones came out. So uh, it was the the tweets were very funny. I Andy, actually, you will quite like it in three years. <laughs> I actually uh, brought up somewhere. I think it was in a Discord server that someone specifically linked this to me, and I was like, "It's annoying because in canon, that's like the most characterization Zam has ever gotten." She's getting a, a short story announced today she for is. the Attack of the Clones celebration. An insider. It's not going to be better than this comic. That is true and accurate. So but back to the back to so, the. Point. So I think I think I want to talk about some of like the big things that were my favorite personally. 
because this yeah, is I am my podcast. <laughs> I'm fascinated to hear what you think of this. I know what Calvin thinks of Dark Disciple. Calvin and I are mostly in agreement on Dark Disciple. Yeah. But you are just, once we decided to do this, I've been waiting to hear your reaction. The first I should pull steps... up the text that I sent to Wyatt on the day that I finished Dark Disciple for the first time. The first oh my steps God. in the title does refer to Andy. Oh, so, yeah, definitely yeah. Andy's podcast. I, I think it's I think it's <clears throat> appropriate that Andy kicks off with their thoughts on on Dark Disciple first and foremost before <laughs> any of us who've been steeped in this for eternity. Yeah, it's all about me. I want to see I want to hear the text. <laughs> it's, oh, it's going to be about way, those later way back. On in the podcast, okay, yeah. OK, so my I think first and foremost, my favorite thing about this book is Ventress and like all of her Ventress isms. But overall, I think like. I mean, right up until the end, it is such. It, this is Ventress's book. I get that this is about Voss too, but it's all about her. Um, the fact that we get her POV is fantastic. That is the like those were always the most exciting moments for me is when I got to be inside of her head. I think that Chrissy Golden did such a good job at taking the Ventress that we know, the Ventress from Clone Wars, and sort of adding so much depth to her, like that that we really got to see her transformation. I loved that. Ventress would comment on things that happened in Clone Wars. For instance, everything that went down with Boba Fett and that whole group Bosk and all of them. And it, it was, was nice funny. To kind of- I would just be like, oh, I watched that episode. Like, I'm not doing a podcast about the Clone Wars. Like, it, I just felt like a reward of, oh, I, I remember that. But I remember of that. Of course I do. We, we, we've been doing, we've been watching the Clone Wars together for over a year. But it's like, not only was it like a little nod to what we've already seen, but it was like, we get to see it from her brain. We get to hear her tell that story, even if in just like a brief moment. And that was just so cool for me. Um, and it's moments like this, sorry. sorry, moments like this that like we get to understand Ventress's character because this this book really read to me as a book that a Star Wars fan who hadn't seen the Clone Wars could pick up and read. And it's obviously through moments like that, that you get kind of the exposition into what we would already know about Ventress and Voss, because they also kind of do that kind of thing with the uh, reference to Voss's and Obi-Wan's team up to find zero. I, I think that it is disappointing that we didn't get to see some of this stuff realized on the screen Uh, uh. but i think the trade-off with dark disciple and the reason they adapted dark disciple into a novel as opposed to just doing it as comics like they did with son of death amir or just saying here's the story reels here you go like crystal crisis on Uta power the original bad batch the trade-off that we get is that we get this intimate look inside how asajj ventress thinks in a way that no other real media up to this point had explored and i think where christy golden shines as a writer a lot of her best work to me is when she's given a character and she's allowed to just explore that character's head. Like Arthas Rise of the Lich King was the novel that started my descent into Warcraft hell, which I am currently not in for reasons, but that all started because I picked up Arthas Rise of the Lich King and read it, and I was like, oh my god, this woman writes 
characters so well. And I've read some of her other Warcraft books. Uh, she did a great job. Uh, Tides of War, I think, is her one about Jaina Proudmoore that took what I consider to be a very terrible decision made about Jaina Proudmoore's character and kind of made it make sense. So Golden really excels at this. And I, I think that we are very lucky in a way that the chips fell that they did. Because this is a really awesome look at like, what is Aventress's thought process? Why does she think the way that she thinks? And why does she make the choices that she makes? Especially since so much of the book is about people lying to each other all the time about everything. We get that look into why she's telling the lies she's telling as opposed to just saying, oh, she's a side Ventress, she lies. Yeah, I also think it's a cool combo that Katie Lucas wrote the original episodes who has written some really good Clone Wars episodes. I might be going to blame her dad for some things later, but uh, <laughs> I think the combination of the two female writers really results in what I think is, is uh, I, I thought this, but it's I've doubled down since rereading. I think this is hands down the best Ventress story they ever did. Legends, canon. I think I said that about Bounty, the Clone Wars episode that was that with her and Boba Fett's crew, I think I was like, this is the best Ventress story. But even though it's the best Ventress episode, I think this is the best Ventress story. Oh, absolutely. And I think, honestly, Golden does what she does with Ventress times 10 with Voss, because with Voss in Clone Wars, we really only get the sort of Jedi of the week, like little taste of who he is. Like, that's all I really know him from is the bit that we get in Clone Wars. And um, I don't know. I didn't really love him as a character. Not that I, I hated him or anything. But I think Quinlan was so much more interesting and fun to read about. And and in the same way that we kind of see. I, I mean, obviously, Ventress's story arc is a little more in depth just because we've seen a lot more of her in the in the episodes. But I don't know. It was really cool to see Voss kind of struggle with the dark side as well. When I mean, before he was just sort of like. Eh, the bro, the bro Jedi to me, you know? I remember hearing about this when the Clone Wars got canceled and they were announcing the stuff that they were adapting and they were like, oh, there's going to be a, a novel of it's a romance between Quinlan Voss and Asajj Ventress. And I went, really? Really? Those especially two? with especially with Clone Wars's version of Voss, although I think it works way better right. than the the old one, which Charles and I are probably going to go off about because we both read the old Dark Horse comics. Not um, as much as not as much as Asajj, which we'll get to here in a yeah. second. But I I did remember reading it and going, it kind of makes sense because I know that Quinlan Voss both, you know, he went undercover in Legends. He inadvertently fell to the dark side in Legends. He had a romance to the side in Legends. But of course, every Jedi was doing that in Legends. Well, and I think like, Quin Quinlan's girlfriend in Legends is the most dark horse Star Wars lady they ever did. There's a specific type of Star Wars lady that Dark Horse used to do. No matter who was writing and drawing, like no matter whether... I I it's just pretty funny. I think I mean, Andy would think they're all hot, but it's definitely <laughs> some sexism going on. And I think it's cool that instead he gets a Saj Ventress and it it kind of uh, Andy, it do, you works. Think the do you think the romance works? Did you buy it? I, I liked it. I was super into it. I think that I think there's that's like a part of it is like the fangirl in me it's like this it almost read as a fan fiction which can be like good or bad there were parts of it that i was like oh yes i'm super into it when they were working together as bounty hunters like that was great but then when she was like 
this isn't you. Like, you're still with the dark side. And then they were, like, in this, oh, what was it? They were in, like, a garden or, like, a park. That was not as good for me. Yeah, I agree with you where, like, I I also think I have a, a bias against sort of, like, sort of edgy partnerships it to i don't that's not a good way to describe it but like bad boy bad girl kind of like we're gonna be bad together stuff yeah. doesn't land for me so when they were being like optimistic and ventress was like finding hope for the future and connection i really love that stuff and i think they do a good like the way they tear it apart is good the way that they sort of build it back together doesn't convince me the the fact that ventress goes back as all in not as sort of guarded doesn't super work for me especially because she turns out to have been right about Voss not being back that I remember when I read it for the first time was a little confusing to follow the like okay Voss is Voss is pretending to be dark now he's really dark now he's not now he is now he's not again I thought that was the, the worst part of the book I thought that that was so stupid and I was like Christy I'm really disappointed because and like maybe in this maybe it's just because this is like the first time I've read it and I get that the dark side corrupts and like that's the thing and it was like oh but Voss is corrupted but he doesn't know and even in the end it's like not really clear if he knew what he was doing because he's like I was taken by the dark side and I was gonna go with them for us Ventress but then at the end he was like no I was a double agent I was trying to find out who Sidious was which we all know is Palpatine though whatever (laughs) um Are you sure of that answer? Are you confident in that? Pretty positive. I feel pretty positive because the animation team for Clone Wars is not slick. (laughs) So yeah, so that was super disappointing. We gave up that mystery like twenty episodes ago because (laughs) Calvin and I have been trying to dance around it for a little while, but Andy was just like, Palpatine is Sidious, right? That was the that was the name of the first episode. It was Palpatine is sus. Yes, you you had you thought that uh, about him, I think, in Phantom Menace. It is I, also obviously his chin. <laughs> I did find it very interesting that Palpatine, I think, does not appear in this book. No, he's he's mentioned. All. And then well, he's mentioned. Sidious appears. Yeah, they Sidious the, appears. Yes. Yeah. Usually, usually, because, again, Clone Wars is not slick. Usually they will have a Palpatine and a Sidious appearance together so that they can have Palpatine do the evil. I am definitely not Sidious. And then Sidious will show up. I am definitely not Palpatine. They didn't do that here. Sidious just kind of shows up for one scene briefly. Which and he I does that all was... the time in Clone Wars. Like it's not right. I, I, that was there were some. I, I also I was going to say about the like Voss flip flop is I feel like those work would have worked better if we were watching weekly or even binging episodes where it's it's a cliffhanger or if it's a twist and then you get the end credits and you find out next week. But it's just like, OK, it's chapter chapter 30. Let me let me get my Voss like whiteboard and move the thing from light to dark. I am slightly more forgiving of the Harlequin romance elements to this i think in part because romances in star wars and i'm going to say this as nicely as i possibly can historically have fucking sucked and have generally been written by men for an audience that is going to be squicked out by the slightest bit of emotion being expressed between two people 
So for this book to come along and do it, and there was bits of it where I was like, okay, you're being ridiculous. Like, Ventress, come on. Voss, like, come on, dude. Like, seriously. But to read it and... They have an equal amount of agency in the relationship and even the parts of the relationship, like the park scene specifically that Andy mentioned, even that scene, I'm like, you're being dumb and harlequiny, but it's dumb and harlequiny in a way where both parties have an agency in this. There's never a point where Ventress is like totally going along with things just because that's what she does, or Voss is just going along with things because that's what he does. They have an equal amount of stake, and I think also the good thing of getting inside their head is we can now see Ventress's thought process for the moments where she's kind of being dumb. Yeah, Like, there's a lot of points where they fight with each other and, like, break up and get back together and break up and get back together, and it's very heterosexual. But even those, we can kind of see the thought process. So I'm they didn't turn me off as much as some of the other uh, romances uh, looking at you, um, Attack of the Clones and some others that I can't talk about because Andy hasn't gotten there yet. But those were some of the weakest parts of the book for me. Uh, definitely paled in comparison to the Jedi Council stuff. Yeah, oh, I do. Absolutely. I do quick want to say that I I. I enjoy and like was was sort of appreciating more this time that Ventress didn't feel out of character I tried to read every line as if it was in the Clone Wars voice actor like as uh, I can't remember who it is is it Gray Griffin I think oh oh so this actually was relevant on a recent episode that we just recorded of Gold Squadron Gaze so it's Nina Futterman is the voice Ah, of Asajj Ventress in the Clone Wars you made the same mistake I did in like our episode three or four, like one of the first episodes we ever did. Uh, Gray Griffin was the voice actress for Asajj Ventress in the Clone Wars micro series. Yes. And, and Nina Futterman is kind of imitating building off Gray Griffin's voice in the micro series. Gray Griffin also voiced Padme and Shakti in the micro series. And so. Azula in Avatar. Yes, uh, and Lady Briarwood in Legend of Vox Machina. She's the original Asajj Ventress, and Nina Futterman's kind of doing her performance. It's weird, because I listened to Dooku Jedi Lost, and the audio drama, the actress who's playing Asajj Ventress is trying to imitate Nina Futterman, and doing a really good job of it. And then the person they have doing Dooku isn't even trying to do Christopher Lee. Like it's a completely different Burton. voice. Or even Corey Burton. Uh who I recently found out also voiced Count Dooku in the micro series. Yeah, no, he his Dooku voice is extremely distinctive. It's also almost his Megatron voice from Transformers. If you put a filter on it, um, which I thought was funny. But yeah, the Je- Charles mentioned the Jedi Council stuff, and I definitely want to get Calvin's take on this because this is all his boy Obi-Wan. Wait, can I just say one more thing, yeah. actually, before we get into where we go? I just want to say, though, I had this thought while reading the park scene where I was like, they're being really annoying. And I was like, they have the energy of like two bisexual people in a relationship. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? I- I apologize. I I criticized them as uh, very heterosexual earlier. That was incorrect of me. They do have massive buy for buy energy. They are buy for buy. And I feel like that excuses any silliness because I'm like, they got it. They know what they're doing and I have to trust it. 
Kelvin, you can talk about the council now. I just felt that was important <laughs> to mention. No, I, I appreciate uh, that being brought up because even as the words they're acting so heterosexually left my mouth, I went, uh, are, are they, they really? Are they really? Hmm. Uh, a hetero yeah. would not go back and forth like Voss does with his dark side. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not uh, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I'm enjoying this. That, that genuinely, that genuinely, like, raises my appreciation for that bit of the story. Like, just laughing at that uh, will make me appreciate the Voss flip-flop more. Also related, Voss is definitely a Jedi who has worn flip-flops at some point. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. He wears for them to council meetings. Sure. He shows up, and they're beneath his robe, so no one can tell, but he knows. And everyone else knows. But no one's gonna say anything. And I want to see the Jedi Beach episode. Oh my god. <laughs> Speaking of flip-flops. Yeah, I, I just, I still hate Mace Windu. Um, yeah, this is Mace Windu's probably worst canon appearance. He does yeah. not come off well here. Christy Golden like says snapped for him so many times. Like he's just like angry the whole book. Yeah, it's it's interesting because there's points of it where and I noted in my brain, I didn't write it down, but there's points <laughs> of it, particularly in the last half of the book where Windu will say something like super bitchy and mean and 100 percent correct. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he turns out to be right about Basically everything except for the plan to assassinate Count Dooku in the first place. When Voss comes back, Mace is one of the ones to be like, yeah, I don't think we can trust this guy. This is this is off. Like, this is completely wrong. He just says it so bitchily that people like are like, like oh, no, yeah. we have to be accepting and understanding of Voss's blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, the dude is right, though. He's being a bitch about it, but he's right. I do also I like I I enjoy the way they so they did a good job with the duality of Yoda, I think, mm-hmm. where having yeah. him be like the way he interacts with Ventress, I think, is really cool. I appreciate it. It it's a good I would have loved to see those bits animated as like a callback almost to ambush the very first episode. Um, not for us, but the very first episode of the broadcast series where it's Yoda versus Ventress. And it's like the evilest Ventress, the most caricature Ventress in the series. And now he like as we get to see Ventress as a whole human, we know we know that Yoda does as well. And that I thought was cool. I wanted also, to get Andy's. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Just a quick aside is that in true prequel tradition as the third speaking Jedi on the council, Kiati Mundi got some dumbass lines. i specifically wanted to ask andy about there's a bit the twist the way the twist is revealed that voss is still dark side is yoda like touches him and yoda's like just as voss's power is seeing the the history of objects my mastery of the force is so strong that i can see into his soul and that's like a huge Yoda doing something not necessarily like flippy jumpy ridiculous, but specifically coming off the back of season six and the Yoda episodes in that, how Yoda uses the force a bit more esoterically. I really wanted to hear what Andy had to say about that. No, this is perfect because I also wanted to talk about Yoda and how this ties in with the ending of season six. I feel like it's really interesting how different Yoda is from the other Jedi. I feel like a lot of the time, especially in 
this series, I mean, we just see the Jedi as soldiers and they can talk the talk where they're like, we are not soldiers. Jedi are not soldiers. But the only person who we genuinely see doing that and and doing the Jedi stuff that's not the soldier stuff is Yoda. So (laughs) that was the moment was a little silly for me because it was like, okay, Yoda, like whatever. You can read people's souls. That's very edgy. But I don't know. It, it I kept I kept going back to this thing of like Yoda is not immune to corruption. And that thought kind of just like He agreed echoed. to the assassination plot. Yeah. Stupid green frog. And that's <laughs> whoa. So he did that, that whole just, beautiful speech at the end of the Yoda arc and it fades out really nicely on that tree. And then 10 minutes later, he's going to assassinate Count Dooku. Yeah, actually, does this take place right after season six? Well, so it takes four. It's after, but it would have been in the middle of a season seven, season eight. So there would have been other episodes happening okay. around it. This is not like 10 minutes after, like I just made the joke. It's like weeks to months after. Speaking no, actually, okay. if you... <laughs> If you allow me to go down my insane uh, rabbit hole about the timeline of the Clone Wars. Plo Koon, at the beginning of the novel, says it's almost been three three years. One of, Charles, one of my pet peeves, uh, I've mentioned it many times on the podcast, is that I think the Clone Wars should be longer than three years. I don't think it makes sense to have it be that short. Um, and I, I honestly think it, I think Ahsoka should be older at the end of the Clone Wars, essentially, is the upshot of it. But... He says that, and I was like, damn, they wrote it in. It's it's actually going to get me. But then, yeah. like, months pass. The amount of time in this is, like, incredibly indistinct, which well, is really interesting to me, especially with the amount of, like, referenced bounty hunting jobs that they take. Like, even in the, like, little time skip when Ventress is sad, she's like, yeah, I did a bunch of bounty hunting jobs. Um, it, so I thought this was my like long at least Clone a year. Wars theory lives. Yeah, I definitely thought this was like at least a year of time. And I get that like and it feasibly could be just because it's like, oh, like Quinlan Voss and Ventress are doing their thing while Obi-Wan like, sure, yeah. he checks up on Quinlan, but he's going on missions with Anakin. So whatever. Yep. Like I, that could work. But it's it, but yeah, it's an insane amount of time. My guess is about six up. to eight months total. It has to be. Out of sheer abject curiosity, I looked up the length of World War One. <laughs> World War One was four years. So no, I, I I know that the things can happen in the in the three years. I um, and World War Two was uh, looks like six. So I'd put the Clone Wars solidly at four to five. If I were if I were making the too. timeline, that's about how long I would put it. And it looks like honestly that you can I can. I can finally let myself rest by accepting that it's a long three years because <laughs> season seven, when we watch that is, is pretty like these things are happening and then we're hitting the end of the war. So there's uh, not a whole lot of means nothing in Star Wars world. Uh, That's time true. is completely irrelevant. Uh, it, there's a question that always gets asked about episode five, which I will not verbally say out loud yeah. because it will spoil things. All the but explanations I are know nonsense. That Wyatt and Calvin both know exactly what how long question I'm thinking of in my brain. Time means all, literally nothing. All the and all the like fan created or even official canon created explanations are just it's, it's faking in space. 
that's the <laughs> that's it it's faking in space well it's also it's like star wars is a mythology and not a history so there there has to be an element of looking at these things like yeah the details aren't necessarily gonna line up and be a hundred percent correct because it's all about telling a good story well, and also, I want to pull the room on related to Star Wars isn't that serious. What do we think of the name Admiral Enigma? Oh, that I was like, I this forgot is about silly. that. I had to put the cartoon. I had to put the book down to start laughing at that. Listen, my glove shido is fucking. I can hear it. One spider named Admiral Trench, who used to be Admiral Trench. Exactly. And you've got names like uh I can't remember. Some of these ridiculous separatist names like Lockdurd and Evol General or whatever. Lothson. General Lothson from the Clone Lothson, Wars movie. Worm Lothson. And, <laughs> that's uh, who I was that's who I was I thinking. Could, it was like I could hear, I could hear Admiral Enigma in the narrator's voice, like from the from the opening uh reel of, of each episode. Admiral um, Ularin. There's a fan theory that uh, because Tom Kane, yeah. who voices Admiral Ularin, also does the narration for the Clone Wars. Well, and it's just his Ularin voice. Those are in-universe propaganda reels that Admiral Ularin is narrating. Yeah, so I, I always like that one. The uh, the Ahsoka arc definitely got censored because it was depicting the Republic in a bad light. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny that actually. Uh, I discovered as I was researching our Clone Wars micro series that one of the two of the episodes from that, the two Mace Windu episodes, canonically were animated and distributed in universe. Oh, so that's at least, that's all. Oh, that's actually so really at least cool. those two episodes are actually like a version of them exists in universe, which I thought was cool. So I like to think sometimes these things are existing like in universe and people yeah. can actually find them and view them. Oh, and another thing I'd forgotten shows up in this that I knew that when I encountered it was like, Andy's going to love this is your boy Boba's back. Oh, obviously, obviously. I love Boba. I wish he had gotten a little bit more time. But I love his little zinger where he's like, I'm not you. Yeah. Ventress. He, he, and she he was like, that's Ventress up. Stung. Ventress takes like only a couple L's in the whole book. And most of them come from at this point, 14, 15 year old Boba. Boba is such is such a little thug. I'm kind of obsessed with him. It, I it was hear, really uh, good. I was screeching when I read that. I was like, I cannot believe this little twerp is really <laughs> got Ventress like that. Yeah. And I think that was the Boba rescue is one of the scenes that exists in animatic form that they've released in the like yes, unfinished animation. So they record I think they recorded Daniel Logan for that. Because I could uh, those some lines felt booky and some lines felt cartoony and i thought a lot of the boba stuff was like that was definitely in the show um yeah you can actually watch that animation you can watch the bounty hunter chase from the beginning those oh, are the two yes. little bits that they released is that i still want to know what a mavron looks also? like when like ventress is yeah, like part of it yeah with her dancing with dooku yeah that was so sexy if any i wish oh, i could see that I, animated Andy, yeah i want to see so that dress and no and, but the dress exists in concept art, and I'm sending it to Andy you right now. You can see it. Oh, please do. You can see it. Oh, my gosh. It. I wanted to just mention briefly the fan art of Dark Disciple kind of pops off because, and I think this is really interesting. I think, like, I, I can't look at fan art generally because 
of spoilers, but I was like, I think Ventress fan art is going to be okay because obviously Ventress dies at well, the end of this book. Yeah, I was going to say, so you've got the big the Ventress spoiler now. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. Unless so, you're... Unless you're Bradley and like a hardcore Ventress truther <laughs> and are like firmly convinced that she's going to come back at some point. Uh, oh, but I would love that. I have to shit on Bradley anytime I go on a podcast. It's kind of my thing. Um, but I think so- I was nice to you, Calvin, on, on the other podcast. <laughs> that was nice to you. Um, <laughs> See, we actually like each other. <laughs> yes, that's the difference here. <laughs> I saw a tweet that was like, man, I wish there was a podcast where it's it's always like, oh, it's my me and my best friends talking about such and such. And I just want to see a show where the hosts just fucking hate each other. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's our show. All right, Andy, <laughs> Sorry, I'm texting Andy, you this ahead. as no, we you're speak. Good, you're good. Uh, I want I want to hear the uh, I want to hear the impressions of the fan art on this because I haven't seen it. it w- it's really interesting because I, fan art of like Clone Wars Ventress is oftentimes very like powerful and very masculine and you know she's bald and she's like even though she's definitely like hot and she like flirts a little bit she's never seen very much as like an object of desire but even more so we never see that her vulnerability and that is something that we see a ton of in this book. We see, first of all, she's grown hair, so which is also just kind of like a femininity thing. We get this whole but scene where she's like, you've ever seen. she has a very gay, very gay haircut. She has this whole scene where she's like, I'm going to show you how to seduce someone. <laughs> Voss. Oh, I loved that the, the full on gambit running <laughs> joke is I had forgotten that it was from here, but I immediately recognized that phrase. I was like, oh, I totally remember this. I um, Honestly, that is something that even though they had stopped giving a fuck at this point about what they were sending to Cartoon Network, that is something that probably would have gotten cut. And I'm glad that it got to be its own thing in this. And then and but then also we get her we see her be vulnerable. And I think that is like the most powerful thing about Ventress's arc and is what ultimately allows her to like reach enlightenment or whatever is that she like allows someone in and she kind of lets go of this shell that she puts up and it really allows her to evolve as a person which is really beautiful and I think fan art really reflects that in kind of and I and I think part of it is just because they're like ooh little romance with boss but I think it is really nice to see that the fan art is like now depicting her I don't know, I guess her femininity, I guess. Like, she, not that she's not powerful. It's not that her power has been stripped away, but she is is more than just, like, cool badass in a power stance, you know? And I, I loved the fan art that I saw for Dark Disciple. I thought that was very cool. I thought that the relationship between her and the Jedi on this particular reread was something that stuck out to yeah. me, particularly yes. in light I love of, that they let her in the temple and then she just it, kept showing up. <laughs> I like the part where she Voss brings her into the meeting and she's just like there and the Jedi are like, what the fuck are you doing here? Uh, if somebody I think she's like, was... according to you, I've committed no crimes. <laughs> yeah, I'm completely innocent. And Yoda's like, damn, she got us. She Mace Windu though. is just you could like you could cook on the fumes coming off Mace Windu's head at that point. <laughs> because the know, relationship really between her and Kenobi has always been so interesting. And yeah. here we get to see that reach that he's one of the first people to be like, oh, no, she's fine. All right. But I, I think also it's Dark think- Horse time. 
I think we gotta bring up the uh, the Obi Wan <laughs> Ventress stuff from the old comics. We gotta what? bring up the old Asajj Ventress stuff. All right, you want to take this because I remember the ending very vividly. Yeah. So, but what I will just say is that in the old Clone Wars era comics, this is like Anakin doesn't have a Padawan and like old stuff pre Clone Wars. Um, but Ventress was created during this time. She was adapted into the Clone Wars series because I think honestly, because she'd been in that micro series and George Lucas thought she was cool. And Dave Filoni also was like, hey, we have an awesome badass. We don't need to create a character. She already exists. And Obi-Wan and her, their relationship was similar um, in that they were like enemies and also kind of flirty. <laughs> but it the it was very similar, honestly, to how he sort of cares about her in Dark Disciple. And I thought that those bits from Obi-Wan's perspective showing his compassion for Ventress as like not just his former sparring partner slash villain slash he knows some of her tragic backstory, but he like accepted her as a person was very reminiscent of his the other stuff. There was an arc called Obsession where Obi-Wan and Anakin get into an honestly quite homoerotic sparring argument about their respective women. This is also one where Obi-Wan shows up to Naboo in a Jedi starfighter and yoinks Anakin out of a dinner with Padme, um, which is just like sort of showing that he blatantly knows what's up. Um, But Anakin gets him back because he yoinks him with a Jedi starfighter to go hunt Ventress, who I think I can't remember if she'd gone rogue in a similar way. Something was up with her, but they have this she argument. She did not go rogue, I think, in the comic. Because it's really funny because if you read the Wikipedia, uh, the Wikipedia articles for Legends consider the Clone Wars to be oh, yeah. Legends canon. Uh, so they have to, like, bend over backwards to try to. So when they get to Bot's Pity uh, and her, her end in the comics, they have to, like, twist it around and be like, somehow she ended up working for dooku again and then this happened and it's kind of hilarious but it was never meant to be that way and ventress is also she she meets her end sort of in these comics and she has it's like she dies in obi-wan's arms instead of Voss's. and it's not the same level of romance but there's a cool connection that honestly i was it's one of the two big i know she doesn't die i know she doesn't die per se okay she fakes her death there yeah so I will also send you this comic panel because I think it's honestly worth looking at the 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 page where Ventress is revealed to have survived is uh, I don't know. Before I read Dark Disciple for this podcast, I would have said the superior Ventress ending. I'm actually like in terms of if Ventress was going to die, I think the way they do it with specifically with the the Dathomir stuff at the end was written very very well. So my thing comparing the Dark Horse comics uh, ending to what we got in Dark Disciple because I'm with you Wyatt I I would have looked at that and I would have said well that is the superior ending clearly. Uh, she's like, just take me away from all of this. This is ridiculous. I'm done. Which is her thing in and- Dark Disciple. Like she wants to go away with Voss. But Voss. Where I think Dark Disciple and the arc that they've done here is superior in my mind is that Clone Wars, the TV show, gave Ventress something that the multimedia project never really gave her. And that was a character arc. Yep. 
She basically starts one way, stays exactly the same the entire time, and then at the end just decides, you know what? Fuck this. Fuck you. I'm out. And like, good decision on her respect. part. Like respect. <laughs> she times All of it these incredibly. Garbage, but she it it kind of comes out of nowhere to an extent and i i don't recall them ever doing anything like really even as late in the clone wars as dark rendezvous takes place she's still a villain she's still working for dooku she's still evil whereas the clone wars gave her a narratively satisfying redemption arc where she had to work for it and though she does ultimately die her returning even for a brief moment to the light side of the force and feeling the light side of the force inside of her again was a much more, I thought, impactful moment. And then her for her to give up her life for someone she loves, the woman who doesn't appear like she will love anyone except her sisters, and then they all die, I thought was very is much more dynamic here than it was in the yeah. original Dark Horse. The Night Sisters thing is key. I mean, that's the, that's it. absolutely like, that decision to to give her that backstory in season three is like it it does. It ends up elevating because that is the most controversial thing about this book. Nobody likes the Ventress death. Um, and yeah, and, I hated the Ventress death. Yeah. Calvin doesn't like it. I don't like it. I mean, I, I, I think it was done well. I also I also think that Ventress's death was 100 percent a George Lucas decision. Probably. It is because I I think our boy Dave Filoni, Andy hasn't particularly experienced this yet. He does not like to kill characters, certainly not major ones um, like Permadead. Um, he will he will love a loose end. And so I would not say that Dave Filoni would be like, oh, yeah, we need to kill Vent. The only thing that can happen here is to kill Ventress. I agree that it's the culmination of her character arc and done really well. But I also think there are some people Dave Filoni, Katie Lucas, Christy Golden, who may have challenged that. But I think I think that was one of the things that was set in stone for this. It's I have no proof. If you're going (laughs) to do you're going to do that mandate and you're going to say she has to die. This is probably the best way to do it. Yeah, I I also am not super wild about the fact that she died. I like it better than her original ending in Dark Horse because again it makes sense and her arc kind of builds up to it over the course of the Clone Wars I thought but mm, I don't know I, I don't want Bradley to listen to this episode because he is going to come back and say this is now evidence that you are actually secretly on my side and you think <laughs> they should bring Asajj Ventress back and I don't think they should bring Asajj Ventress back specifically because fuck my podcast co-host and what he wants. <laughs> I feel like I agree with what I said. I don't I don't I'm upset that she's dead. I think that her death was good. <laughs> Yeah, what? Andy sent me a Andy sent me a Snapchat last night that said "fuck Dooku." All my homies hate Dooku, and I was like, "Ah, so you finished the book?" Yeah, I, I was t- I was telling them I I waited to like finish like the last ten pages because I was like, "Oh, well, it'll be fresh." Um, and I was gonna actually wait to do it today, but I couldn't. I finished it last night, and I was just like screaming and like sobbing. I was like a, an absolute mess. Yeah, you you got really you got monkeys pod for your your ultimate Ventress story. You you got you got the ultimate venture story and yeah. it's the last one. 
I think the thing that bothers me the most is not necessarily that she died, but the fact that just due to the nature of Clone Wars, it's never going to show up. I <laughs> There should be consequences. Like, they're never going to fucking mention that Ventress is dead. Or at least, like, that's what I'm assuming. Like, maybe I'll have, like, a fun little surprise. But, like, I'm assuming Voss will never show up. I'm assuming that this will never be mentioned. They'll never talk. And it'll be, it'll, we'll just go on. Voss, I'll have, like, a Voss silly little Voss is definitely arc. in gay baby jail. Yeah, yeah, he's he's in gay baby jail. Like Dooku's not gonna be like, oh, your assassination. Like it, it's just gonna the world. It's gonna go on like it always does, and we're just gonna pretend like it didn't happen. And you I'm gotta, like, man, this is so consequential. So I feel like an interesting thing that Calvin brought up to me that I think we discussed. I, th- I don't remember whether Calvin or Andy brought it up um, on a recent episode, which was oh, it was Andy because you asked about what what the Jedi t- what Rex told the the Jedi about General Krell. No, it was me who asked. Was that, that you? Okay, uh, somebody. But like, so Krell gets mentioned, which I thought was an interesting thing. I have thing. that underlined in my book. Can I read it to you? <laughs> does it just say does it just say fuck this guy? <laughs> They literally mention Krell by saying, in, in talking about Voss, they say, even General Krell's deception did less damage. And I was like, oh, what? Less damage because they were clones? Less damage because you don't value clone lives like you value other lives? Well, and I also think it's funny because at that point, Voss hadn't killed Jedi. While we're bitching about the Jedi Council, uh, I specifically want to take umbrage with the fact that they call Barris Afi a separatist terrorist, mm-hmm. which is super fucking wrong. Like in general, yes, she did do the terrorism, <laughs> but Barris Afi was never a separatist. No, she and didn't the separatists, do it because the separatists she was loyal distinct- to Dooku. She did it because fuck the Jedi Order. And this whole book is one giant explanation of why someone in universe might be like, you know what? Maybe these guys are dicks, actually. Well, like, Obi Wan. Obi-Wan's dressing down of the Jedi Council throughout the second half of the book, which I was really cool because he's he's very deferential often to his his masters, his more the more experienced Jedi, because in in universe, Obi-Wan hasn't been on the council that long. He's been on the council for like two years at this point versus all the others who are on the count. Basically, all the others, unless somebody's on because some uh, another Jedi died, uh, they've been on the council for most of the prequel era. But Obi-Wan's like, you guys fucking suck. You should have listened to me in the beginning of the book. I told you this was going to go wrong. Something that I think is really interesting. I don't know if I had ever heard the Jedi Code before this book. I, I don't was think thinking I about that. Ever. I have that underlined and marked in my book because it is so it is so very like 1984 Big Brother-esque, if I'm being <laughs> honest. The, like, I mean, it's it, it's definitely it's all but it's it's based off Eastern eastern religion but it is also the sort of we're looking at the jedi as not the greatest at upholding even their own kind of messed up code it is very stark too and you i have heard the zip code by I, the way yes you did in uh in the mortis arc i believe no and maul maul says or it when maul, he's a spider maul says it and i remember uh, calvin talked about this when we did that episode uh, side note, there is a video that you can see of Sam Witwer on Twitch doing Maul, the Sun, and uh, one other character. He does their voices reading out the Sith code and probably his it's Palpatine just chills. It's his Palpatine. Yeah, which I love. I honestly pre- um, I prefer his Palpatine to anyone that's not Ian McDermott. Correct. But uh, not to jump on my High Republic brain rot again, <laughs> but 
Reading The High Republic has been very interesting to me because a lot of times in Legends, when they would go back to the pre-Clone Wars stuff, they were showing the Jedi very much the same way. And in The High Republic, we see a Jedi Order that's living more by the spirit of the code and not by the letter of the code. And by the time we've reached the Clone Wars, especially once the war has started, because before the war starts, they're all, we can't fight this war for you. We are not warriors. We are not soldiers. We cannot fight these wars. Stop asking us to fight these wars for you. And then the Clone Wars hits and they have to put themselves into this box to be who they need to be for the Clone Wars. And I will be very interested to hear Andy's thoughts as the series goes on with the consequences of that action. Yep, we've been talking about it a lot. But also a, a, a thing about the Jedi Code, as this is another Jedi breaks code in order in order to get with very pretty lady um, example. Although in, in fairness to the Jedi, we've seen break it so far. It was Natalie Portman, animated Kate Blanchett and Asajj Ventress. So fair enough. But I loved Anakin trying to look down on their relationship because he hates Ventress and then being like, wait, fuck. I've 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 got myself in a corner here. It, I it, it loved kind the of, scene with him and Padme. Kind of bugs me that Padme lets him off the hook a little bit, but she doesn't really want to think about it. He's like he's like it's different. We're in love, and I was like, okay, fuck uh, you. Top top five loser Anakin line. It's so good. Anakin like, Skywalker. Think, Sorry, go ahead. The thing is though, and the thing is, is that I don't think Voss is a pussy like Anakin. And I want to be really clear because Anakin. Anakin can talk the talk, but he can't walk the walk. He won't leave the Jedi Order for Padme, which means that no matter how much he loves her, it's kind of BS to me. Whereas it's causing Voss conflict. Like, there's always there's conflict in him. Voss, I I believe in my heart of hearts that if like that things could have worked out and 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 Voss would have left the Jedi Order. Like I think that if things had been a little different, if you know, he hadn't been so fucked up at the end. And Ventress, obviously, if she didn't die, I think that he would have left the Jedi Order yeah. and been with if her If they forever. succeed initially, yes. theoretically, the war's over and he leaves. He's no longer a general. He's sort of done his, it's supposed to be lifetime, but he's done his service as a Jedi. He leaves with Ventress. Honestly, I think in that scenario, Anakin leaves too. I, I fully believe with my whole heart that had the Clone Wars not happened, Anakin would have left the Jedi Order. To be with Padme. He would have done it in in the Attack of the Clones era. Like went after that mission. Yeah, reading the Obi-Wan and Anakin comic, um, that does a really good job of highlighting like just how much Anakin struggles to be in the Jedi Order. And I fully believe that the reason he stays with them is because he feels like this is where he needs to be to fight the war that he actually ideologically believes in. If Anakin just left the Jedi Order, joined up with the Republic yeah, Navy... Yeah, we've talked about this. Palpatine could... I, was it your show that y'all talked about this yeah, on? Yeah, we've talked just, about Republic officer Anakin. Yeah, joins the Republic Navy. Palpatine will fast track him. It's fine. He's BFFs with the fucking Chancellor. He's going to end up like... he. I mean, like, it would probably be healthier for him because he would end up serving with Obi-Wan, probably. He'd end up yeah, like, he, he'd, he'd be- He doesn't have to stop being friends with Obi-Wan just because they're not in the Jedi Order together anymore. Like, Anakin, Anakin, honey, you, 
You don't have to put yourself in the box. <laughs> you can leave. I promise. It's, it's the fine. it's the midi it's the midi chlorians. There he he's got too many of well, them. Well, and I think also, he knows but it. also he in a way that's different from Legends Anakin. He is one hundred percent staying for Ahsoka for most of the series. Yeah. Like, well, then why is he still there? Well, it's because he's he's just fucking adrift. He 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 does. He has he has no agency in Dark Disciple. He doesn't make it like he's sort of bouncing around every time we see him now he's not doing a whole lot except thinking about well shit my my little sister's gone and the war sucks and i hate the council i did love anakin and obi-wan and ventress in the cockpit together mm-hmm. i would have loved to see that animated just to, just to like physically see how cramped it is it's like we were talking to charles was mentioning the clone wars movie like thinking of how, where they started with like the Anakin and Obi-Wan versus Ventress banter. And now they're like, <laughs> they're in a get along shirt, basically in a spaceship. <laughs> and then, and then Voss shows up and Ventress and Voss have this, oh, like God. such an intense moment. And then Anakin and Obi-Wan are just like, just like hey, <laughs> that was awkward. They're just sorry, goods. bro. I do not think that it was random that the choice was made to have the finale of this take place on Christophsis. Neither do I. No. Well, because I mean, <laughs> they added animated. <laughs> That's the real reason. <laughs> because if you're if you're watching everything in order, then your first experience with Ventress was on Christophsis. And if this had been animated, her last appearance would have been on Christophsis. I I agree. I I have a I have a crackpot conspiracy theory that eventually we're going to see Dark Disciple animated based on two of the locales appearing in Bad Batch. And the fact that Lucasfilm never makes assets for just one thing. Um, The fact that this is this is only just we saw Pantora and we saw the palace at Raxus in Bad Batch. And there have been rumors that have never been substantiated and have, have never turned up anything that Lucasfilm was working on movies for Disney Plus, animated feature-length things. Um, so that's my crackpot theory. But I, I honestly now, in reading the book, I think we'd lose a lot of the Ventress characterization, and I don't want it anymore. If Dark Disciple <laughs> is animated in some form, and I have to sit Bradley down and force him to acknowledge <laughs> that this exists, I will become a menace. I will go full Darth Maul. That will be the greatest moment of my life is forcing him to acknowledge that this happened because he (laughs) stubbornly does not want to admit that this story took place. It's it's interesting that you brought up the balcony on Raxus. Because one big note that I had written down, in fact, my my last big note that I definitely wanted to talk about was the characterization of Count Dooku in this book. Yeah. It's also I think this is well, I haven't read Jedi Lost, but this is my favorite Dooku story. Oh, yeah. The the bit where he's like. He's up on the balcony, he's giving the speech and accepting a humanitarian award. And you're looking at him, you're like, fucking really? This guy? Like, this war criminal? And then he gets up and he's like, you know, when you think about it, (laughs) the Republic sends a bunch of thinking, feeling, 
living beings to die. And we mostly use droids. And when we don't use droids, they're people that actually chose to join our cause and weren't that grown. So when you think about it, who's the real villains here? And even Voss is like, damn, he's right. No, uh, yes, 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 yes. Because because that's the thing, right? The clones are my boys. They're Andy's boys. And I can't get over the fact that, that you know, because it, it really was like, oh, ha, ha, ha. I liked... Also, I love the whenever we get little glimpses of the separatist perspective of Dooku, because I feel like to him, he's to them. He's just Joe Biden. Like, he's just kind of an old guy who's well respected for like his stature and his his, he's like just just sort of their old presiding leader and a figurehead because they I would assume don't see the Republic propaganda reels that we do also called the Clone Wars where he's out with a lightsaber fighting Jedi. Well, I feel like it also just kind of re- helps us sort of think about, like, what defines evil. And I think that the... the and, and this kind of goes into another thing I wanted to talk about, which was the dark side and Dathomir and, like, what is the dark side and what is evil? And I don't think... Evil and the dark side, I don't think, even though, like, we want it to be black and white, we want it to be, you know, there's the light side, the Jedi, good, and there's the dark side, Sith, bad, evil. I don't think those things, I think it's it's a lot more nuanced than that. And, um, and that, this is just, like, a really perfect and interesting example. Like, he's not wrong. The, the, the Sith and the, the Separatists... Don't sacrifice human lives in the way or or lives, I guess, if we don't want to consider the clones people. They don't sacrifice lives like they do, um, like the Jedi do. And it's I don't know. It's it really like has kept me up at night thinking about it because because it's like, who are the good guys? You know, who who should we be rooting for? And it's like, honestly, at this point, I don't really know. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, too, when you think about like separatist planets versus the way the separatists invade Republic planets. Yeah, because we don't see a lot of invasions of separatist planets in the Clone Wars Um, in terms of like populated by left to join the separatists. It's often like, oh, we can't lose this system. Ryloth has been taken over and it's the Republic is. I think I always find funny is that the Republic is always shown on the defensive in the recaps, but never loses a battle or re- very rarely loses a battle. So the, the the recaps are telling us the Republic is pushed back on all fronts and then we see them win. So it never seems like they are. But I think for a lot of the separatist people, they would see like they don't they don't see the brutality of the battles that we often do in terms of like seeing the cost, not just for the Republic, but for civilians in the Republic, which is like bad. I mean, I war, pretty sure, war, war is bad, but I'm pretty sure my tongue has actually started bleeding from the amount that I am biting it so hard, trying to avoid talking about stuff that is coming up. Wyatt, Calvin, I honestly do not know how you do this. I we give each other looks. We just we give each other this. looks that are audible and I'm, furiously I'm, text. Yeah, I'm Calvin sitting and I are here often going like, like I want to talk about this, but sorry, I can't. We're, we are so close to Revenge of the Sith, and as soon as we get to Revenge of the Sith, it unlocks so many things. Yeah, because you can't it, even it's say interesting. why. <laughs> I can't even say why. It, I would say it is interesting <laughs> to hear Andy's perspective. As someone who's almost kind of living through this without 
the knowledge of where it's going because you start in sort of Attack of the Clones and early Clone Wars, and you're like, ah, yes, the Republic is obviously the good guys, and the Separatists are obviously the bad guys. But if you remember, the reason the Separatists are leaving the Republic is because the Republic is a bureaucratic mess, where absolutely nothing gets done. Padme shows up in Phantom Menace and is like, hey, um, my planet just got invaded. And my people are dying in fucking concentration camps. Like, can we do something about this? Maybe like I literally have two Jedi right here that the chancellor sent who will testify that my planet is in danger. And the Senate's like, oh, well, gee, you know, uh, I think we need to send a parliamentary committee to investigate the validity of your claims and she's like how about i overthrow the goddamn government and then fuck (laughs) off and do it myself but that's the reason the separatists leave and as the clone Wars starts dragging on we start seeing these things that are like oh the separatist movement is being headed by very evil people dooku is a very evil man but the dooku the dooku that the galaxy sees kind of has a point when he's like the Senate isn't representing you. Our Senate will represent you more fairly. Kiati Mundi, again, who I'm dinging for saying dumbass shit, in one <laughs> of his dumbass things he says in Attack of the Clones is Dooku's a political idealist, not a murderer. Obviously, turns out he's a fucking Sith. He but the face he presents to the galaxy is that of like a progressive almost. Yeah. Essentially. And and uh, the the one time we see the Separatist Senate, it's like they get shit done. They voted for peace. Mm-hmm. Now, he did have to manipulate that by uh, Mina Bonteri. Yeah, well, he, he bombed the Capitol, killed on, Mina Bonteri. But the bureaucratic, like what I mean it, to your bureaucratic nightmare point, it seems like the separatist parliament works better. Although yeah. I was I was watching my partner and I are behind on Clone Wars ver- versus where we are in the podcast. And so I was rewatching that episode after like something happened in British politics. And I was laughing that the separatist parliament is British parliament in terms of the location. Like it's, it's, it's set up exactly how the British do it. Cause I had, I, uh, when I studied abroad, I went there. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's quite cramped because buildings used to be smaller in the old times. Hey, remember when we used to get to go places? That was nice. I mean, I studied abroad in spring 2020. I got thrown out of the UK because of COVID. (laughs) Ugh. Yoinked uh, from London, like you got yoinked from Queen Feed. Yep. <laughs> I I moved across the country in the middle of 2020, and I have left the city one time since I moved, and that is to go to another city in California uh, on a weekend trip that my partner dragged me to. He was like, "You have to fucking leave." What like city? at some point, uh, I went to. We went to San Diego for the weekend. Ah, so are you in the Los Angeles area? I am in the Los Angeles area, yes. And before you ask, yes, I did go to Batu for my latest birthday. It is awesome. Nice. It is as awesome as you think it is. Andy cannot go for about 10 years. I think they'd be fine. By the time we get to, uh, maybe not. Depends on how strict we're being with spoilers once we get through some of the, like, the post-Revenge of the Sith <laughs> stuff when it all gets shorter. Yeah. But I, I also find... 
not just the characterization of Dooku interesting in that the galaxy sees him as this political idealist who's leading this idealistic crusade, basically, where he just happens to have contracted his army from Amazon. But in the relationship between him and Ventress versus the dynamic he has with Voss, especially in the back half of the book, where it's very unclear whether or not Dooku was like stringing Voss along or whether or not he actually was thinking like, hmm, maybe we can overthrow Sidious and then I can kill this I, dumbass. I don't buy it. I don't I I don't think Dooku ever took Voss seriously in a way that he once did Ventress. I think he's I think he's I think he was just fucking with him. I think but, I think he thought Voss was always with the Jedi and was testing him and that maybe they could have reached it. And then the only time because the only times he's like, OK, I'll I'll do it is when he's injured and Voss like has power over him. The thing I think too, he thinks Sidious is just going to fucking kill him on the spot. The thing with Ventress and Dooku that I feel like we look we overlook a lot because there obviously is a lot of like conflict. Getting that and, dude like, a world's wor- galaxy's worst dad mug. He but he when Sidious was like, you need to get rid of Ventress. He argued for it. Like, he argued against it. He was like, that's, no, like, that's my girl. Are you sure? Like, I really... And then and then because he kind of pushed back, Sidious was like, no, now you have to. Like, you... And, and it was like, it kind of forced his hand. And so, I don't know. I feel like I wish I had seen a little bit of that in this book. I wish I, I could have seen... He was just so, like mean to Ventress and it was just so like back and forth quips and funny and whatever and it's like I I really would have liked to see that vulnerability from Dooku I really would have liked to see that little soft spot not that not that I think he would have ever like saved her or been good or kind to her but like just seeing that I mean He's the one who kills Ventress. That's crazy. And I think that something, yeah. something to show that he was hurt, like he killed her, but it hurt him too, would have meant a lot to me. Yeah, well, so that is, I think, a, a bit where the limited point of view cost us is the very end where Ventress yeah. is dying because we're in Voss's head. So we don't know how Dooku escapes. We don't see really anything with Anakin and Obi-Wan. And a couple cutaway shots to like Dooku even reacting to that would have been cool. But it couldn't have happened because of the format and the choices that were the correct choices that were made. We needed to be in Voss's head at that point. Yeah. But Dooku is an interesting character in that he spends much of the Clone Wars lying to himself about the way things are going. (laughs) And telling the truth to Obi-Wan. Telling the truth to Obi-Wan and lying to himself about the way things are going. Like he tells himself, oh, I'll get this uh, new apprentice and she's going to be super powerful and everything is going to be fine. And then Sidious makes him get rid of her. And by the time of Dark Disciple, he's like, actually, I always hated her. Yeah. Uh, there's the one way big he's lie. talked himself into it, like the way he's talked himself into the Ventress like decision. And I think because that's why I think like it's a cool character moment that doesn't allow for Andy's moment of vulnerability because he's in order to stay the course with Sidious, you can't fool that guy. So he has to talk himself into hating Ventress. Otherwise it'll be seen as weakness and he'll, he'll, it'll be a like, cause all Sith want to overthrow the other, but you have to gain trust in order to overthrow. 
Dooku is a character who does things and then spends the next little bit of time retroactively lying to himself to convince himself that he did the right thing and then getting frustrated when his reality doesn't live up to the lies that he's told himself. Uh, Dooku Jedi Lost. Great, great audiobook. Really just fantastic. But we see throughout that that he will make these choices and spends a bunch of time trying to justify them. He gets rid of Asajj Ventress and by this one, he successfully managed to convince himself that, oh, no, she was nothing more than a tool, et cetera, et cetera. When this dude went on like a roaring rampage of revenge after they tried to assassinate him and he was like, actually, how about I murder your whole planet? There's one big lie that he's telling himself, but I can't discuss that one. Yep. Yeah. Just um, just Andy will remember this. <laughs> OK, OK. Keep it in my mind. I really want to talk about the Night Sisters. I think this is one of my favorite things about this book is that we get to hang out on Dathomir. We get to hang out and talk about the Night Sisters. We get to hear about them more in depth. And uh, I love the Night Sisters. The ghosts of the Night Sisters being like, you could do better from the Netherworld as they're banging on Dathomir. <laughs> And I think this is like the coolest and also like the most upsetting thing about this book is that they over and over are like, no, there are ways that we can use like they introduce this idea of like the dark side can be used as a tool. And I think we we see this with the Night Sisters. The Night Sisters are able to access the dark side in a way that isn't sinister, where like the Sith can only access the dark side in a way that is like terrible you know and conversely and I, I feel like the jedi cannot use the dark side as a tool yeah well i think that the major difference in something that is explored in the book is that the entire philosophy of the sith is selfish the yes. entire philosophy from the ground up is it is about me it is all about me everything is about me i am going to do the things that benefit me Whereas the Night Sisters, the reason that I think they have developed a sort of magic where they can safely tap into some of these things is they have a community that the Sith do not have. The Night Sisters are all about building their community. And yeah, they trample on other people, like they keep the Night Brothers under their heel. But one, I don't blame them. Men are garbage. Two... <laughs> <laughs> they at least have the sense of community with each other. And that gives them, I think, an edge above the Sith who are constantly out for themselves. The Night Sisters are just that weird commune on the edge of town. I think that part of the issue that Voss and Ventress run into is when Ventress is trying to train him on Dathomir and they're going through the whole thing with the sleeper. A night sister would normally prepare for that with her sisters, with someone with whom she has a deep bond. Mm -hmm. And Voss and Ventress don't have that bond, even though they're banging. Yeah, they're they not in love yet. They're just banging. They still don't have that bond that you would have with the community. And I think it's important that at the end of the book, the final fate for Asajj Ventress is being returned to her sisters. And that's yes. why I like her death. That mm -hmm. is that yes. is what sells me on it. Not even that's the self-sacrifice, not the character arc develop, not the like culmination of the story, but that she gets to go back to Dathomir and join them in that version of the force afterlife. No, that is what had me sobbing was the fact yeah. that like she got to be with her sisters. And I think that's sort of like it, what it always had to be, because it's it's always been about the Night Sisters. She was taken 
taken from them. She was ripped away from her family as a child and has essentially spent her whole life lost without them. And then she she found them again. She was finally... (laughs) Just dying. (laughs) She was reborn. And and that's mentioned in this book. And I I think it was like... (laughs) Don't say reborn, you'll summon Bradley. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. And the fact that she was able to like be with the Night Sisters, the only thing that I thought might have been cooler, I think it was cool that she was like put in the water that she was reborn from, whatever. But, But she does mention the whole like the pods that they go in so that the they can freaky serve. horror pods from that episode but I, I know they've got beautiful. lore now Ugh. i was literally like this is beautiful this is such an interesting i love like i am i this is just like a personal thing i'm like one of my interests is um like the the death positive movement and like talking about what we do with our bodies after we die and all of those things and so this idea of like it is beautiful to be able to serve your sisters in death. I thought you were going to so talk about alternate dope. force traditions. I thought that was where you were going. <laughs> no, I I loved that so much. And I thought that was so beautiful. And I really wish that Ventress could have had that um, death ritual. But it doesn't yeah. make sense because she, her, the Night Sisters are gone. So she never could have it's served It's the tragedy of the lost culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, this was like a very good thing. That Voss did, and I loved it, and it was a great ending. I have, <laughs> I have two questions that I need to make sure before I say anything. Question number one, does Son of Dathomir take place before this? Yes. I thought it takes place during. Like, I thought it takes place in, during the events. Well, I thought, I thought of like, Son of Dathomir well, was the like two, a season. It's eight episodes, and oh, one man. episode was in one set of four episodes was in one season and the second set of four episodes was in the next season and Hang i thought on. that son of dathomir happened in between i'm that gonna pull up the timeline at the beginning of the book okay and and number two was is andy going to read it damn but then i decided i'm i'm gonna phrase this next bit in such a way uh that it does not spoil son of dathomir for andy if they decide to read this so if you've read son of dathomir Thinking about her reunion with the Knight sisters and that whole clan, and you assume oh, that Son of Dathomir takes place before, it gets a lot worse. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Considering what happens in Son of Dathomir, it gets a lot worse. Yeah, because I was watching, I was watching Massacre and um, Bounty to prepare for this right before we started recording, and a certain character stuck out to me. As I was like, because I keep forgetting why certain character is not in this book. And that's a good explanation. There's, for that. there's three things that I tell people to if you're going to watch the Clone Wars in order, you really should experience these three things as well, because they're an integral part of the story. Dark Disciple, Son of Dathomir. And I used to say you can watch the uh, campfire scene in the story rails for Crystal Crisis, but Cinematic Captures animated it. So you can just watch the Cinematic Captures version with Matt Lanter and James Arnold Taylor's voice tracks. And that'll... Those yeah, three we should, together, we I should think. Link that, we should link that to Andy because it's so short and just have them watch it like right before season seven. Yeah, mm-hmm. please do. Uh, what is is um Son of Dathomir? Where what is is it a book? It's a it's comic. A comic. Book. And it's a and you can find it I know on Marvel Unlimited because that's where I just read it. They got it from Dark Horse cuz it's canon 
it was originally published by Dark Horse. Right before they lost they, the license. They got it from Mar- uh, They got it from Dark Horse and they published it. And it's I will say it is not as good an adaptation of the Clone Wars episodes as Dark Disciple is. No. Because Dark Disciple, the benefits from having more time and the comic arguably has less time than the episode would have mm-hmm. to do the same work. And there is a lot of shit that happens in Son of Dathomir. It might be like, I don't know if we'll fully discuss it on the podcast, but it might be good to to read before the very final Clone I've Wars I've got arc. it on Amazon, on Kindle. If you, nice. I, I can give you my Amazon login and you can read it on Kindle. Charles, you're going to be mad at me for bringing this up, but I was rereading Dark Disciple for the first time since I have... Um, reread and watched Dune and I once again <laughs> get some little stuff into my folio of everything in Star Wars is based off of Dune. Look, um, I I will literally mention the High Republic anytime, anywhere at no well, provocation whatsoever. <laughs> and Calvin's got backing by the big man himself. George Lucas is open about yes, the Dune influence. Yeah. I completely understand bringing up the same thing over and over and over again. That's also how I am in my real life with uh, Dracula. I will <laughs> I will find a way to work Dracula in. It's Dracula or Star Wars. I was actually weird, doing weird fun fact about, you know, I assume you've seen the Bram Stoker's Dracula from the 90s. Uh, that's the Francis Ford Coppola. I think so. Whatever the one that was in the 90s the was that- super dramatic. Gary Oldman and Keanu yeah. Reeves and Minota Ryder. Yeah, yeah, fuck that movie. Anyway. Well, so, but in Clone Wars, in season one, Kevin Kiner, for no reason at all, just wholesale nicks the one of the themes for the asteroid bit in just in Downfall of a Droid. It's like really? the weirdest, the weirdest musical plagiarism I've ever so seen. Strange. Huh. It's such a fun, like it's a fun theme originally, but he just, I think uh, my guess is that it was like the temp track and they accidentally left it in. But this is also me in Star Wars. I actually was just interviewed for someone's school project about like a very serious, like political historical topic. And they asked me, so do you have anything that you want to include at the end of this? Just some final thoughts. And I said, well, because I have to include this in every school project, even ones that are not mine. Uh, so in the Star Wars sequels, <laughs> and I launched into this long thing i got uh, so I'm cocky during the ap uh, english exam that i wrote about star wars i was like oh i have a good argument i'm bringing up star wars i am now old enough that people are interviewing me for history projects for school but i'm sorry calvin you were gonna bring up dune <laughs> you're good that was very entertaining yeah the knights are the benny Gesserit. um it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Hmm. They're literally called witches, like certainly the, with the mother, yeah, queen mother, uh, they, they mother call Towson. their matriarch the mother. Um, and the other thing that just stuck out to me was like the whole night sister tradition of like going and fighting the sleeper and getting the water of life. The water of life is literally what in the Dune universe, the Reverend Dune Mother universe. of the Reverend Mother of the Bene Gesserit has to drink the water of life and like past the trial of having that really bad chemical in your body. Number one, it's called the water of life. And number two, and it is also created by a giant underground monster. The water of life is created by sandworms and the water of life is created by the sleeper. So do we think that George Lucas maybe has read Dune? I think so. You know what? I think George Lucas liked David Lynch's Dune. See, yeah, that so. movie could have been improved if they had the, the, the Reverend Mother speak with Mother Talzin's like two voices thing. Yeah. Just for a maximum wild shit. I One thing I did want to bring up is that I, I liked 
Voss's master showing up, Master Tholm, who was also a character in the old comics. The the Voss sort of apprentice master line was a big hit. Master Tholm, Quinlan Voss, and Ayla Sakura were the big characters in the old Star Wars Republic comics, and it was where a lot of Ayla's characterization came from, which was adapted into Jedi Crash, where it, which is the first mention of Quinlan Voss, where Ayla talks about having to have let her master go. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Katie Lucas write Jedi Crash? Yep. Yes, she did. She yeah, she did the Je- she did Jedi Crash, and then which uh, is why all of the Ventress episodes, I at least from Night Sisters weird. on. I find it weird, although this is more on Christy Golden than Katie Lucas, because Katie Lucas wasn't writing in Voss's head. He never once mentions his apprentice. He never once mentions that he trained a a Jedi. He he talks about his master. He never mentions Ayla. And I just think it's so odd because their deep connection was such a big part of Legends to the point that it got referenced in the Clone Wars series. Even when they weren't Did sure Ayla, what, like name her him as Quinlan it's Voss canon or? that it's she does not. It is still canon. OK, I checked, but I just think it's interesting. It's, it's a it is a rare misstep of the getting in people's heads that I just would have liked to have seen because we saw Quinlan's attachment to his master as we saw him struggle with attachments. He he he, he went a little Anakin with his reaction to Ventress having killed him and. That was just a sort of a misstep I would have liked to have seen. It didn't detract from the story, but I was wondering, I was like, what does Ayla Sakura think of this? What is like, we're talking about Jedi who know Voss well. We've made it so Obi-Wan knows him well. They invented a whole friend for Voss to have. His apprentice is never once mentioned, and I think that's odd. She's off on Felucia doing whatever she's doing. Uh, poor Ayla You know what I think is interesting, though, is that Obi-Wan and the Jedi kind of have this feeling at the end of the book where they're like, well, he learned his lesson about having attachments. You know, he was attached to Ventress. He, he absolutely saw... did not. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. They're like, he, he was attached to Ventress and he, you know, went to the dark side. Like, obviously, he learned attachments fuck you up. And it's like, honestly, I think all Voss learned from that was that attachments can make you stronger. You know what I mean? His his relationship, like his his attachment to Tholm is like what. And like, I guess Ventress too led him to the dark side, but also like he made it out because of Ventress. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Ventress... I just don't really know what the fuck they're talking about. Actually, Well, and I think Voss went to the dark side in a very Jedi way. Like he went yeah. to the dark side in the way the Jedi fear. He never really understood what Ventress meant. Except yeah, that he was yeah. able to finally learn her lesson in order to sit, in order to bring himself back. The Ventress and Dark Side stuff we talked about it was I thought was really interesting because she considered herself having been like saved and redeemed, but like through her through her actions and choosing to be a different person. Um, and I thought her struggling with that as well as she tried to teach Voss and failed kind of at teaching Voss was really interesting. Not to jump on the High Republic uh, brainworms again, but, and I'm going to word this very carefully, but a character named Cantum Sai, who is my beloved, I love them so much, they have a, a whole sort of internal thing in one of the latest books, Midnight Horizon, 
where they talk about and really highlight that it's not so much forming attachments that's bad, that attachments do give you strength. And I think that is something that Voss discovers. It's the ability to let go. Yeah, it's the Obi-Wan versus Anakin thing. It's issues that will come up later. Obi-Wan is very committed to the Jedi path because he was able to let go. He was able to let go of Satine. Yeah. Not once, but twice he was able to let go of Satine. And well, and Qui-Gon, too. Qui-Gon as well. Yeah. There- Whereas Voss, I think, does find strength in his attachment to Ventress. And I think part of where he starts to slip into the dark side is he doesn't seem like he's going to really have the ability to let her go, which is why I agree with what I think it was Wyatt was saying earlier that I fully believe that had Ventress survived, Voss would have left the Jedi Order to be with her because yeah. I don't think At he could have point, let her go. Any point throughout, as soon as they are together, as like basically as soon as, soon as she lets him in, he's he's gone. He's toast as a Jedi and in a way that Anakin is not because it's, it is interesting too, because I I thought it was a fun, I don't remember. I don't think this is, I think they completely changed this from legends, but the fact that boss never really knew his culture because in legends, the psychometry stuff was like a thing. His species did as well. Like it was, he was naturally attuned for that, but the boss was raised in the temple stuff of this book. I thought was really interesting given how easily Voss is able to like sort of give up the Jedi once he he hears Dooku make one point about the clones and then a pretty lady lets him in and he's like, all right, see ya. I'm done. I'm going to go retire to space Florida with my extremely cool wife. <laughs> We're going to be bounty hunters. We're going to have a nice little cottage. Yeah, if only <laughs> if only that happened. I feel like I'm going to be like kicking myself tomorrow thinking about like all the things that I I should I have mean, said I think tonight. We covered I can't a lot think of, of stuff. anything else. Yeah. Like I uh Oh, there was I don't know, let me see. I, I screenshotted one thing. Oh, I, I just thought this was a cool Yoda line where he says dull the senses attachment does but open the eyes betrayal can, mm-hmm. which I thought was an interesting thing about one of his lines about Ventress that I thought was when everybody was doubting her about Voss, but Yoda listened and uh, was able to eventually discern that that she was right. And I think the dulling the se- the attachment, dulling the senses, specifically with regard to Anakin, sort of lo- losing a bit of his like moral compass. And like as soon as Padme is involved, everything goes out the window for him. And he's like less of a good he's less of a. He's less of a warrior. He's less of a good Jedi. He's he's not he's not sharp. And it happens to Voss, too. He Well, it's not it's not just Padme. Anakin's overarching character that's flaw true. throughout the Clone Wars is that Anakin Skywalker like four people and one droid. And he refuses refuses to let go of any of those four people or one droid. He cares about Padme, Ahsoka, Obi-Wan, and Rex, and R2-D2. Admiral Yularen gets jack shit, despite being the only regular serving member. Have they debuted the old Yularen model yet? I think he grew I think he's old now. 
Um, I don't even remember the last time we saw him. I, it was in the uh, the droid. Like he's at that Republic conference that the droids blew up oh, okay. in the droid arc. Yeah, but like that's the thing with Anakin is he like refuses. And when he goes off the reservation, it's because one of these five people is in danger. I guarantee you that every time he like goes absolutely apeshit, somebody's menacing Padme, Ahsoka, R2, Obi-Wan, or Rex. And Quinlan, I think, kind of goes through that same issue with Ventress where you can kind of see, even in like sort of the back third of the book, where he's with the Jedi, but he's like banging Ventress on the side. Like, he doesn't want to let go of Ventress, and that's one of the clues that, like, he has not come back fully to the light side, is this refusal to let go even when she has let go. She's more Jedi than him. And I think that's interesting. uh, That was part of the fun, like, Ventress in the temple stuff was because we know her master was that she served under a Jedi... Who was like a frontiersman she never went to the temple she was just a kid raised by him on the on the outer rim and so we got a little bit of a glimpse of maybe what jedi knight asajj ventress could have looked like i just uh they really they really just killed my girl i can't get over yeah this. i've been they really this were is like, one of andy's the... <laughs> favorite characters always die actually this is like one of the andy goals like as soon as we decided to we've been <laughs> we'd been thinking about calvin and i have been deciding whether to do dark disciple basically since you really liked ventress um because the yeah. motto of the podcast is torture andy <laughs> um but so this is one of this is like one of the last stretch goals before we hit the sort of like really big shitstorm that is all the media around revenge of the sith this is like the, we're we're in it to win it now from here on forward. Good luck with the final episode of Clone Wars or the final two episodes of Clone Wars. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, I'm going to lose my freaking mind. I wish wish you the best of luck. Thank you. <laughs> Should we wrap up? Yeah, I think I'm good. Are you? Yeah, good? I mean, I think we've given. I think we've given Dark Disciple its due. We've hit 100 we didn't minutes really of discuss recording, the, so we didn't really discuss the plot all that much. But it's it's really convoluted. <laughs> it literally. And it's is. also not important. They're trying to kill Dooku. There's some shenanigans, and like basically all that like is the Voss Ventress relationship is like almost as much of the plot as the because it just it's like can they speak to each other? Yes. No. Four different people spend a lot of pages alternately lying to each other and then being surprised that the other people are lying to them. This goes on between pages, the first page and the last page. I did. I did like just one last thing is that when Voss is like Ventress, I'm a Jedi. She's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> no you, guys yeah. you guys suck at this. <laughs> You keep using the force, you stupid, dumb idiot. Yeah. I love her. I love her so much. Yeah, ripped my girl. Um, Rip to your girl. Charles, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This is so Yeah, it was fun. really fun yeah. having you. Thank I was you genuinely for... nervous. <laughs> I was scared. I was like, oh my God, we're going to have another person. Will I have to be professional? No, this was so fun. This was, this was great. 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me be your uh, inaugural guest. It was a great honor. I, too, was a little like, how are we going to make this work with this many people? But it turned it turned out really well, I think. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I was very honored to be here and had a great time deep diving into this book. So thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, where, where can we find Gold Squad Gaze? Yes, where, where you can find us. So I, as mentioned, am the dropping the veneer of hating Bradley for a minute. I am the <laughs> co-host of Gold Squadron Gaze with my friend Bradley, where we dissect episodes of TV generally, but we also do some other things. You can find us uh, anywhere that you get your podcasts. Uh, we also use Anchor. So the anchor had you heard at the at the midpoint of this episode. We have one of those too. Um, so you can find us uh, anywhere you get podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, any of that stuff. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at, at Gold Squad Gaze. You can find us on TikTok and Instagram at, at Gold Squadron Gaze. You can also find our podcast on YouTube. We keep promising exclusive video content. <laughs> I promise it's coming eventually. Uh, you can also find me personally if you want to shout at me. My Twitter is at CWRogers6. So you can also find me on there to specifically shout at me. Uh, otherwise, that's where you can listen to me talk about Star Wars every week. As I said, we just wrapped up a Kaboba Fett. We're covering the Clone Wars uh, micro series leading into whatever the fuck the next thing is going to be. It's either going to be Obi-Wan Kenobi or The Bad Batch Season 2. I don't know. Because Lucasfilm does not love me enough to give me a coherent fucking schedule. Yeah. Is the Kenobi trailer out yet? It isn't. No. The duality of having a TikTok and calling it iTunes is really something. <laughs> oh, I'm losing my mind today. Okay. So um, on that note, next time on First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, yeah, we are doing the uh next two arcs of season seven. We're doing them out oh, of God, order. Oh god, we're really in it. Yeah. We're doing um Ahsoka's Walkabout, which is gonna be episodes 705 to 708 which is gone with a trace deal no deal dangerous debt Wait, is and that set together before again bad batch? that is set before bad batch these and bastards did it to us again yeah <laughs> and there's a very specific reason ah, one specific scene i know what it is but yeah. i forgot about it and then andy finally gets introduced to the bad batch in episode 701 to 704 the bad batch a distant echo on the wings of Kiradax and unfinished <laughs> business. My lovely squad of ex-boyfriends. Yeah. All of whom are toxic in their own way, but I love them dearly. Oh, I'm yeah. Excited. There is. Yeah, this is going to be this. Is, everything's coming up, Andy, with these episodes, honestly. Mm. I'm pretty I'm pretty pumped. I'm like so sad. Clone Wars is ending really soon for us, yeah. but well, the, it's so good, the, but it's sad. This is going to be also noticeable. I want. This is this was produced like many years after the rest of the series. So the animation quality jump again is crazy. Mm -hmm. I'm excited for it. They had produced an entire whole ass two shows in between Clone Wars season six and season seven. So I will definitely be listening with great interest to hear <laughs> how Andy reacts to the Clone War is coming to an end and what comes next. Oh my God. 
Yeah, I'm nervous. But uh yeah, you thank should you so be. Much. <laughs> <laughs> what a threat. What a terrifying threat. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Keep may- listening to us. May the force be with you. <laughs> Swag. Thank you guys for listening to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast. You can find us on Facebook at First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, on Twitter at First Steps SW, and on Instagram at First Steps Star Wars. You can stream us on any of the major podcast handles, and you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Thanks a lot.